Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, there's only been a few times in my life where I have not been able to turn off the TV for hours, right? Um, like uh, Trump's COVID press conferences he used to have back in the day in 2020. The lockdowns were going on. He'd just sit there and argue with the belligerent press for two hours as Fauci and Burks and Pence looked on. Um, when Trump went to the hospital with COVID, remember that whole ordeal? Oh, yeah. He walked to Marine One, gave the, whole, the salute. And he's wearing his mask. And then when Trump, you know, a day later when they took him back home, I couldn't take my eyes off that because weren't there rumors that he was going to wear a Superman T-shirt underneath his suit and tie? <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes. And, he, and turn around to the crowd. He walks up to the steps of the Oval Office or the White House, turns around and just peels his shirt open to reveal the Superman logo after he beat COVID. Somebody had a book <laughs> yeah. and said an advisor had to talk him out of that idea. <laughs> talk him out of it. Uh, and then, of course, last night, I-, I sat there for hours watching coverage um, leading up to the uh, mugshot of Donald Trump at Fulton County, this this crappy little jail in Georgia, uh, right outside of Atlanta. And it was just, it was surreal to me watching that giant motorcade with the former president going in for a fourth indictment. But this time we knew he was going to get the mugshot. He's got a prisoner number. He's got his fingerprints taken and the Democrats got exactly what they wanted. They got that mugshot. They've been waiting for this since 2015 since Donald Trump announced he was uh, he was going to run. So is this the greatest mugshot of all time? Does it <laughs> reach that level? Yeah. Um, because when you to. think about some of the great mugshots of all time, for me, for different reasons, Nick Nolte's will always be my number one seed. <laughs> well, he's the- got that Hawaiian shirt on, and his hair is a mess, and he got popped for a Dewey. Uh, the Nick Nolte mugshot will always be my number one seed. But you had some good ones from Frank Sinatra, Hugh Grant. Tiger Woods had a wild mugshot where he looked just whacked out of his mind. Hell, locally, Pat McAfee's got a pretty strong mugshot. Oh, yeah, that wild hair. From the canal swing. Right, 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 right. I would say, out of all those, it's still Trump, because it's a president. And a former American president has never had his mugshot taken before. Never treated like this before, quite frankly. And that's the key, the way that he's treated. Because if Donald Trump had assaulted someone, or murdered someone, or something like that, let's just say he got busted with cocaine in the White House, (laughs) I would understand, you know, if he were taken in for a mugshot and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at the stuff that he's charged with, and when you look at what other politicians have gotten away with from the same Department of Justice, that's why people are upset. That's why people say there's a two-tier system of justice. If you think Donald Trump is guilty, that's fine. But I think a lot of people would say, look at what's going on on the other side, too. Just make it fair. That's all people are asking. Uh, Very underrated celebrity mugshot. Randy Travis. 
Oh, after his DUI, he was naked. Yeah, he looks like he's got an apron on here. He's he's got a he's got a huge black eye, and his nose and face is all cut up. He crashed into a store and then wished that the officers would get bone (laughs) cancer. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at Lindsay Lohan. She's got six different mug shots (laughs) from DUIs. So you've got options. To assault, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think for me, Nick Nolte's number two, but uh, Trump is is number one of all time. Boy, Tigers is brutal, too, though. You're right. Tigers is awful. Oh, man. Here is the 45th president of the United States speaking after his arrest in Georgia. If you challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. This is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think is very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Yeah, I mean, we're living in a country where where he, where he, the president challenged the election, calls the Secretary of State down in Georgia, is like, look I, look, I know there's some fraud going down there. Can you please look into this for me? Um, he never said, find me votes. Find me. He, he never said that. He just don't. But that, that sure was reported. That's not what he said. And this is third world banana republic stuff here, especially the way they're doing it with this RICO thing and charging all uh, of the other, you know, he's got, there's 18 people involved in this thing. And it's, it's nuts, man. I I was, um, I was really just, it's a disappointing moment in the country for sure. So the question now becomes what's next for the political left in this country? Uh, Because it feels like this mugshot was what they've been waiting for. And now they've got it. Do you think this is something that can re-energize the right side of the political scale here? Like, is this going to backfire on the political left? Have the never-Trumpers peaked with this mugshot? Here's our friend Tommy Lahren. The fact that we've got a Trump indictment before a Hillary Clinton indictment, before a Joe Biden indictment, before we even have clarity on his family's potential pay-to-play scheme, the fact that that has kind of gone cold in a sense, and those in, in Republicans in Congress have had to resurrect that to try to hold him accountable, and then you've got Donald Trump indicted four times over the span of, what, six months or less. I think the American people are catching on to what's happening here, and I think all the wrong people are celebrating, and that's very telling to me. I know we just had a debate, Nige, and other candidates made some headlines, but this feels like one of those moments where you're going to get a little bit more unity out of the Republicans. 
Good point. Very good point. And if you take a look at that mugshot, I like if he would have. We were joking yesterday. It would have been funny if he would have given the old giant Trump smile with the thumbs up or something like that. But that would indicate that this is all fun and games. This is not fun and games, and you can tell by the look on his face on that mugshot, that scowl. That look on his face was the "I'm not effing around" face this time. And y'all just woke up a sleeping giant. I hope Donald Trump has learned from the last couple of years, whether it's Russian collusion, PP tapes, uh, all that kind of stuff. What's happening now, the indictments. If you're going to say drain the swamp, you damn well better drain the swamp. That can't mean you have a few folks hanging on in other departments because that's what helped bring him down the last time. If he becomes the president again, and that's a very big if, but for argument's sake, let's say he wins the election. You've got to go in there day one. You fire the attorney general. You fire the head of the FBI. You fire everybody that is a holdover from the Biden administration. You can't leave anybody behind, and he's got to have better people behind him. Because the way this is working right now, what I see from the justice system, the folks in Animal House got more of a fair trial. <laughs> The court will now render a decision. Well, look, you said I could speak. He said that's it. Are you deaf? Let's finish this damn thing. Stop! <coughs> I don't think it's fair. Stop! I'll tell you what's fair and what's not. Leave me! <laughs> By the way, another very underrated celebrity mugshot. The late Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Oh, that's right. The long hair. The very long hair and the goatee after he was caught in an adult cinema doing things to his body. Right. That you shouldn't be doing in public, <laughs> even though you were at an adult cinema. You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read Booze News because it's really fun. What's it is, your lips? It's so good. Now, to present Booze News, Booze News. Do you know Joe Biden had an alcohol czar? No. Why aren't you it? <laughs> Biden's booze czar is what whoever this person is doing a lot more than the borders are. The booze czar. Is warning. it Pelosi? <laughs> she should be. Yeah, her husband um, <laughs> is warning Americans could soon be told to limit themselves to just two beers. Per week under strict new booze guidelines. What? Come on, Doctor George Koob. Koob said America. Said America. <laughs> you know that's what his nickname was in school. Look, there's that nerd George. Hey, Coober, give me your lunch money, <laughs> dork. Um. Anyway, Dr. Co- Dr. Cooper said America could slash its <laughs> drinking guidelines, warned that alcohol raised the risk of cancer, heart disease, and other issues, and uh, the USDA could revi- revise its alcohol advice to match Canada's, where people are advised in Canada to just have two drinks per week. But their drinks are a little bit stronger in Canada, though. Like, are you sure? I don't know. I think they're... Alcohol content, I think, is a little bit stronger in most beers. Not all of them, but a lot of them. More research involving 370,000 people warned that drinking more 
led to a 1.4-fold rise in someone's risk of heart disease. You know how I know that's bullcrap? Because it's the Hammer and (laughs) Nigel show. Both of us are here, and we just got health exams, and for the most part... Pretty, yeah. pretty okay. My, my triglycerides were something to behold, though. But other than that, everything was better than last year, I think. Right. I, I didn't know how to read most of those, but I know how to read the triglycerides and the good and the bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is under control. Triglycerides, I need to do some work on that. But current U.S. recommendations say women can have up to one bottle of beer, small glass of wine, or a shot of a spirit a day, while men can have two. Now they want to reduce that to two beers a week. Uh, now, they're not going to make this law or anything. No. That's good, because if drinking more than two beers a week is a crime, consider me Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but who knows with the... I mean, like, the socialized kind of health care the liberals want in this country where, you know, it's going to be harder for us to get health care if we're... Like, look, if, if the, look what they wanted to do with the uh, COVID vaccines. Oh, really? You you want to come get? Uh, you want to be admitted because you've got COVID pneumonia, but you didn't take the vaccine. Oh, sorry, we're not going to admit you. Oh, really? You have heart disease because you drink a case of beer a week. Oh, sorry, we're not going to treat you. I could definitely see something like that down the road, where where healthcare is hard to get, and they have to make decisions on who to treat and who not to treat. And these the lefty le- butt sniffers like Jimmy Kimmel, they'll go out there and laugh at you for it because he was one of the oh, yeah. folks that went on the air and said, if you didn't get the vaccine, you don't deserve a hospital bed. Well, maybe, Jimmy, again, just throwing it out there, perhaps they're in a hospital bed because they got the damn vaccine. Sorry, tinfoil hat. Uh, Doing some booze news here. Dateline, Vincennes, Indiana. Oh. Vincennes man arrested for driving a child's power wheel Jeep (laughs) under the influence. An Indiana State Police trooper was patrolling in Vincennes. This was right near the Illinois border around 9 o'clock when they saw someone driving a battery-powered Power Wheels Jeep (laughs) with no lights or reflectors. Now, a reminder, these Power Wheel Jeeps are recommended for children ages 3 through (laughs) 7, and they have a 130-pound weight limit. How Uh, old was this guy? (laughs) He was 51 years old. (laughs) Now, would he have gotten pulled over had the Power Wheels Jeep had lights and reflectors? I would almost respect him for it. <laughs> it's all right, officer. I got the reflectors on here. Do you need to see my license? Turning turn signal works fine, officer. But that's not what happened because he was also under the influence and they found meth and weed on his oh. person. Mm-hmm. He was arrested and charged with operating a vehicle while intoxicated. <laughs> Quote unquote vehicle. Operating a toy, playing with toys while intoxicated. Uh, real quick here, yes. one of our favorite social media accounts is there. I ruined it, where this guy runs this social media channel and takes like yeah. popular songs, but kind of mashes them up in a way where it kind of ruins it for you. So here's what he came up with. This is the latest one here. Tell me what you think. What if Beach Boys did Hurt by Nine Inch Nails? Now, here's the original (laughs) first. This is Nine Inch Nails. To see if I still feel 
Okay, you can stop that. Uh, By the way, Johnny Cash did a great cover of that song. Now, let's see how it would sound with the Beach Boys. (laughs) (laughs) I hurt myself today. (laughs) Yeah! Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest at the DriveHubler.com hotline. Tommy Piggott is the Rapid Response Director for the RNC. Tommy, we got a lot of stuff to touch on here, and I do want to get your thoughts on the debate that took place this past week, Joe Biden's disastrous Hawaii trip. We're going to get to all of that, but obviously the biggest story in America right now is Donald Trump, his arrest, the mugshot, and where we go from here. And that's where I want to get your thoughts, Tommy, because it seems like this is all the political left wanted. They wanted the mugshot. Well, here it is. What happens next? Where does the political left go in this country now that they've got this? Do they sit back and talk about how great Joe Biden is? What do you think is going to happen next? Well, I think sort of two things. First, I don't think this is playing out just politically speaking the way that the left thinks it is. I mean, this is in addition to so many concerning and shocking stories, whether you're a Catholic, a pro-life American, a parent at a school board meeting of the Biden administration going after you, while at the same time insisting that Hunter Biden did absolutely nothing wrong. I mean, that's what Joe Biden says about Hunter Biden. The two-tiered system of justice that seems evident to so many Americans is really shocking uh, and counter to how you actually have a functioning democracy. So I think a lot of Americans are extremely concerned about that. And then the second point, I think you're right to point out that the left is ideologically bankrupt. They have the same staled, failed ideas that have led to decline every single place they've been tried. They have absolutely nothing but fear-mongering to run on. And I don't think they can run on their own agenda because their own agenda is a complete disaster. So I think politically speaking, I don't think the left uh, is really gaining politically from from the sort of two-tiered system of justice they're trying to force on the throats of the American people. Tommy, what did you think? Like, what did you think of the mugshot? Like, like, what did you glean? Was there anything you were able to extrapolate? Like, like I looked at that mugshot, and it's more than just a mugshot to me. It's a, it's like a scowl. It's like, it's like his not effing around face. Like, this is, this is serious. Like, he could have gone there and had a big smile, that big Trump smile, like Jenna Ellis did. Um, but this isn't a funny situation. This is a serious, serious situation. Were you able to glean anything from, um, just? by simply looking at Trump's mugshot? Well, I don't really want to necessarily speculate too much about what was going on in President Trump's head at the time, but I think you're right to point out that he does have an extremely serious expression on. Uh, I noticed that the campaign was pretty quick and and really trying to shift the momentum around that mugshot and highlighting uh, uh, what what they were saying is really this two-tier system of justice. So I think 
in my mind, that's part of why the left's not really, I think, gaining politically from this sort of thing. And and again, it's it almost feels odd to talk about how this is politically affecting things because it's such a serious issue. It's such a, a serious. Uh, a circumstance happening in this country, and there are such serious allegations of a two-tier system of justice. Again, beyond uh, just the president, even though that's that's of the utmost concern, but also when it comes to parents, when it comes to pro-life Americans, when it comes to Catholics, and that's something that really unites all of the candidates in the Republican Party right now, saying that we shouldn't have a justice system that treats one group of people differently based off of their political leanings. We should have a justice system that that is blind and that fairly applies to law without fear or favor. Tommy, from the people that you speak with, I'm sure you have lots of conversations throughout the course of a week. Do the independents, or maybe the people that were a little on the fence about whether or not to vote Republican, whether or not to support Donald Trump, is it any way possible that this this mugshot, this arrest, what's happening to Donald Trump right now is actually something that can help the Republican Party? Well, I don't think I, I even hesitate to talk about it that way because I don't think that there's any chance where if when you see a Justice Department like Biden's, for example, targeting parents, targeting pro-life Americans, I think that does motivate people to go out and vote for Republicans. But it's such a, a heinous thing to do. It's such a yeah. harmful thing to do. It's such a terrible thing to do to go after political opponents, uh, especially when, you, when you're talking about uh, just the contrast that always hits me is you, you talk about pro-life Americans that are being targeted. They have barely prosecuted anyone for, for throwing a firebomb at a, pre- a prejudice yep. center or vandalizing churches. I mean, where is this Justice Department? Why is this Justice Department letting pro-abortion extremists terrorize pro-life Americans around this country? while targeting and, and sending a squat team to a, to a man's home for standing outside an abortion clinic. I mean, the, the two-tier system of justice in this country is terrible, and I think yeah, so. I think it will motivate people to vote Republican, but I even hesitate to even say that just because of how harmful and how terrible it is. I hope it does motivate people to vote Republican because this type of standard cannot stand in a, in a democracy. A democracy cannot withstand the sort of two-tier system of justice. It undermines it at its very heart uh, and really goes against what this nation was founded on. Tommy Piggott is our guest. He's the Rapid Response Director for the RNC. It's been a big week for the Republican Party. Uh, Obviously, right now, Donald Trump has all the headlines. But earlier in the week, um, in front of a national audience, other candidates had a chance to talk about what they were about. So it feels like it's been about a four or five day stretch here uh, with the build up to the debate, the build up to the Tucker Trump thing and what's happening now, where a lot of of Republican ideas are being exposed uh, maybe to some new voters. I think they are. I mean, that was what was so great about this debate. We had a massive audience for the debate. The last I saw was something like 12 million people tuned in to the debate, not counting replays of the event, not counting Rumble, who was our live stream partner for the debate. So we had a massive audience for that debate. And I think that shows that Americans are ready and hungry for an alternative. They're sick and tired of the two and a half years of abject failure from Joe Biden in Washington, D.C. And I think you're right to point out the ideas and solutions. Of course, there was disagreement on that stage. I mean, that's, that's part of what a debate is. Is, right, But what unites us is so much more than what divides us. And I think that was clear. And it was also clear the passion that these candidates had, the solutions. Compare that to Joe Biden, who offers a no comment to the people of Maui. Mm. I mean, you have a no comment president from Joe Biden versus the passion and the solutions that we have from Republican candidates. And I think that was such a stark contrast this week that bodes well for us electorally and I think shows reaffirms why we need a Republican president in 2024. 
Are there going to be more debates? There's obviously going to be. Is, is there another one scheduled that you know of right now? Yes, there's another one scheduled for September 27th. It's going to be at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library and Institute in California. Uh, the qualifications are going to be a little bit higher for that one, I think, as people would expect as we get closer to casting votes and picking that nominee. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, people love debates. I mean, I, I'm a bit of a, uh, you know, I, I obviously watch this every day for my job, and I, I think they're great, but I think the, the ratings themselves also show. People want to hear from these candidates directly. No spin from the media, no sound bites. Let's get them on stage you know, hear what they have to say. Did anything surprise you? Like, did like something happen that you didn't expect during those debates? I was just surprised on how electric it was from the beginning. It almost seemed like, you know, you have Pence going after Ronald you had pretty much everybody going after Ramaswamy at one point. I, I, I thought it was pretty fiery. Um, anything that surprised you or, or or shocked you at all? I don't know if I'd say surprised. I do I do agree that there was a lot of energy on that stage. I yes. think that's part of what what a debate is. But again, what a contrast to Joe Biden. I mean, low energy, sleepy oh, Joe Biden. I mean, what a contrast. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's just I think, and I think also the reason why the candidates were were so fiery on that stage, I think, is because the stakes cannot be higher in this election. What unites us as Republicans is so much more, like I said, than what divides us. But Joe Biden is such a failure. We need as a party. To, to win this next election. I believe that we will. I believe the American people are, like I said, sick and tired of Joe Biden. But that's where I think this energy is coming from. I think it's, a, it's an amazing sign for our party. It shows our party is strong. It shows our party has ideas. It shows we're a big tent party. Uh, and it shows that we actually have the energy on our side because our ideas work. Democrat ideas don't. Hey, Tommy, last thing here before we let you go. You kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Joe Biden's disastrous response to that awful situation in Hawaii. Everything from not wanting to be bothered on vacation, no comment, and then going over there and comparing what these people have witnessed and seen, children being burned to his Corvette and a kitchen fire. I mean, the whole thing was it was embarrassing, even by Biden standards. It was, and it was, it was honestly heartbreaking because America needs a president that can step up in a time like this. Uh, that's what we need in a leader. We don't have that in Joe Biden. I mean, the, the White House today tried to insist that Joe Biden just didn't hear the question when he answered no comment, which I think is absurd if you watch that video. He clearly took a moment, thought about the question, and answered it. But even if that's the case, he was asked earlier, and he, he rode his bike right, right past the question, refused to stop after obviously hearing the question. When he was in Hawaii, he lied to the residents of Maui, making up the story about a fire in his house, which was just a small kitchen fire and contained in, in, in this extinguished in about 20 minutes. So he, he is showing that he has no empathy, that with the media saying he's the empathizer in chief. In reality, he's just self-centered. And we see that with Maui, East Palestine, Afghanistan, the border. This is a man who's more interested in retirement than governing. And I think in 2024, Americans are going to give him that wish. Tommy Pickett, RNC Rapid Response Director. You can see some of his work on Twitter at RNC Research. Tommy, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You too. Have a good one. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. What is it going to be like tonight if you're going out to some high school football games? If you got date night tonight, whatever the case may be, how about the weekend? The man that can answer our questions is on the drivehubor.com hotline, Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV 8. Marcus, what are we looking at tonight? Hey, Hammer, good to talk to you. Happy Friday. Uh, it's it's uh, 
it's miserable outside, so it's awful. Um, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's several high schools that actually kind of are delaying their start time. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many are exactly where, but I remember seeing at least a few of them because of uh, the high heat. We're at 91 now. It's going to be it's going to be a steam bath tonight. I think we're going to be dry for football, but you're talking kickoff temperatures probably around 90 this evening, wow. and it's still going to be yeah. I mean, it's still going to be in the mid 80s for the drive home after the game is over, which is still quite uncomfortable. But there, the good news is today is the last day of this ridiculous heat. Um, we'll finally kind of dial the temperatures back this weekend. Humidity may take a little bit longer, but we will drastically start seeing some improvement over the next several days. I'm kind of looking at this, you know, forecast for next week, Marcus, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing some highs in the 70s, lows in yeah. the 50s. Yes. So, I mean, what a contrast, right? Because I, I, when I walked into work early this morning, um, the temperature was 81. That was at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> and here's here's the worst part of it. I mean, you know, it's it's dark and early. There's no sunshine. And we still had a heat index at 2.30 in the morning, and it was 88. It felt like 88 at 2 o'clock this morning. So that was awful. So to put that in comparison to your point, some of our lows that we've had the past few mornings will actually be our highs next week. So I have like mid-80s tomorrow. That's going to feel a whole lot better than the 90s. We've had. I think it's still pretty humid for much of the day tomorrow. Um, but then by Sunday and beyond, you're talking right around 80, and the humidity is substantially lower. And that's what's going to be the difference maker. You're going to get those lows in the 50s. So nights to have the windows open. And then a lot of days next week, um, especially I think the latter half of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and beyond. Uh, we may not see numbers out of the mid-70s, which will be quite refreshing. So, I learned a new term, Marcus, uh, from yes. Tara Hastings last week called a false fall, which we experienced yeah. the week before when we had yeah. temperatures similar to the ones you're talking about now. Are, are, are yeah. you expecting this to be another false fall, followed by more 90-degree temperatures in the future here in uh, September? I mean, possibly. You know, we can, we can see surges in September. We've certainly seen um, some higher 80s 90s are a little more tough to come by when you start getting into september but i mean we're, we're on the tail end of uh, of summer uh, you know um unofficially the the meteorological the web and the weather world fall begins um next next week next friday on september 1st actual fall and the calendars will be a, a few weeks later so you know our, our our hot streaks are a little bit more numbered um at this point of the year but i, de- I definitely wouldn't count out maybe a, a quick little surge but something like this i i'm hopeful i don't see anything down the pipe and i'm hopeful that that we're probably kind of done with this kind of intense heat for for this duration anyway marcus i uh i thought about you yesterday because okay. in addition to the intense heat. Uh, it was Reggie Miller's birthday and there was a yes. Colts game and I thought, damn, I bet Marcus is just living his best life today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know what I, I noticed? Because like, I, I saw a post on social media that Reggie's 58 and Reggie looks like he could still get out there and oh, yeah. bury a three in the garden <laughs> right now. Does he not? Like, he looks great. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, like, like how quickly time flies. I think that man is almost 60 years old, but um, yeah, I mean, we're in a good part of the year now football high school footballs in week two now um and and uh we were done with preseason for the nfl i think it's week zero for college football this weekend so life's good man this is let's just get these uh fall temperatures swinging and uh life will be real good 
Marcus Bailey, meteorologist for Wish TV 8. Marcus, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock So were you glued to the TV last night like I was, watching the coverage of Trump and the motorcade, the uh, Trump airplane landing in, uh, I don't know, near Fulton County, where that is, outside of Atlanta, and the giant motorcade going to this rinky-dinky county jail so Trump could get fingerprinted and mug shot, shotted, and and it didn't, the process didn't take very long, Hammer. It took like maybe 20 minutes or so, but I watched the entire thing. I was glued. I was on my phone, too, refreshing Twitter to see who was going to leak the mug shot. Yeah. And there's a couple fake ones that came out first, so you always got to be careful oh, yeah. when there's news like this you don't fall for the fake one um i think town hall fell for one of the fake ones oh no but once the uh the real mccoy came out there nige what did you think i thought he looked like he wasn't effing around i don't know that i, I don't know that it, that mug shot i don't know if he was exuding anger i don't think it was i, I think it was just like look you know, I'm not effing around here because if he would have done one of the things where, like Jenna Ellis did, one of his lawyers down there that was re- represented him during dur- uh, during 2020 in Georgia, um, she she had a big smile, and that's fine. That's that was fine for her. We, she's been on the show before, by right. the way. If you think uh, this is a laughable trial, a laughable case, sure. I'm not mad at that. But Donald Trump, it's something different with Trump, and I thought he had the right look. I'm wondering because mug shots are hit and miss, man. Like some of those. Bug shots you see like locally here, like one eye, you know, somebody will get arrested for DUI, one eye's open, the hair's all crazy. And I wonder if they allowed him to pose because you just get what you get one try at it, from what I understand. I've never had to take a mugshot before. God forbid, hopefully, I never will. But you only get one shot at it. And most mugshots I see are awful. And with him being a former president, I wonder if they gave him a little more leeway. Like if he wanted to do blue steel, like Ben Stiller, <laughs> would they? allow him to do that <laughs> probably could have now this is kind of a secondary question but i don't know i was thinking about this earlier do you think vivek ramaswamy is kind of ticked off that his time in the spotlight for winning that debate and most of the polls show that people think he was the winner of that night yeah, the dredge report they had a poll he was the winner the hammer and nigel yeah. show we had a poll he was the winner do you think he's a little ticked off that his time in that spotlight for doing well was less than 24 hours? Um, you know, since Trump didn't turn himself in until late yesterday evening, most of the day was about the debates. Most of the day yesterday was about how everybody was trying to pile on Ramaswamy, which kind of means that everybody was scared of Ramaswamy. And most of the uh, highlights of that debate involved Vivek. I would argue. So I, I think I think he had enough time in the spotlight. Another person that uh, wanted to pile on Ramaswamy was Brian Kilmeade of Fox. They had a pretty good back and forth today about foreign policy. Now, Brian Kilmeade, he loves the war in Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. Mm-hmm. He's all about more money and let them do whatever they want. Here's a blank check. He can't get enough of the Russia Ukraine war and the U.S. funding it. So here's a little back and forth between Ramaswamy and Brian Kilmeade. We are driving Russia further into China's hands. But they invaded, We're seeing they that invaded in Ukraine. Vivek, they invaded Ukraine. Just yes. give them the 20% of the country. And just like Nixon did not trust Mao, we still had to pull Mao Zedong.
Kong out of the hands of the USSR. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Putin any more than Putin trusts us. But you we want to take his word other. that he'll but divorce himself him. from China? No, I will not take his word. I will make him actually abide by an agreement with the United States with hard conditions attached to it. If they resume joint military exercises with China, mm-hmm. there will be consequences in my deal with them. We will immediately then look at other actions that actually put Russia in a tougher spot than they are even now. Maximum pressure campaign. But what I've said is we can actually go the other direction. Reopen economic relations with Russia. Freeze the current lines of control. Make a commitment that NATO will not admit Ukraine so to give, NATO. So let Russia take 20% of the country. They took it. They just took it. The reality, and you said the reality let them is, have it. what do we get in return? So this went on for a little while here. Uh, this was probably about a good seven, eight-minute conversation between Brian Kilmeade, who, again, he wants all the money you can muster. He should go on tour with Garth Brooks and just raise money for the war in Ukraine. And then you got Ramaswamy, <laughs> who, listen... I don't know if I like everything he has to say. When he kind of copied Barack Obama on that debate stage, it kind of made me go, dude, this is not the crowd for that. The skinny kid or whatever, that, right. that comment. Right. When you're plagiarizing Barack Obama, I couldn't get with that. But there are some things that I like. And one of the things he did on that debate stage was say, no more money to Ukraine until we fix things here in the United States. Brian, here's the eye on the prize. The Russia-China alliance is the greatest threat the United States faces. There is not a single candidate in either party who has offered a coherent plan of how to disband that alliance. I have. And I want to use the Ukraine war as a chance to bring that alliance apart. That will be the single greatest advance in U.S. national security. We're watching the Russian army deconstructed before our eyes. We're watching the Russian army deconstructed before our eyes without any American blood. They are the aggressors. And our foreign policy did win us the Cold War, yes. which I assume you know. Yes, in the modern Cold War, Brian, that the old establishment needs to wake up and see is that the USSR doesn't exist anymore, but communist China does. And unlike the USSR, we now depend on communist China for our modern way of life. If that had been a Russian spy balloon flying over half the United States, we would have shot it down in an instant and ratcheted up sanctions. But because it was a Chinese spy balloon, we're scared, so we didn't do it. Right. And the reality is China is bolder because they know Russia is in their camp. And are we breaking Russia down? What is it? How did Kilmey put it? Like something about we're breaking Russia down or something like that. Basically, that we're like, seeing like, Russia's what we thought was this mighty military be reduced to the overrated clap you would hear at college basketball games. But are we? I mean, the war has been going on for since a year ago, March, February, and they're still going. Are we really seeing them break down? Uh, I don't think so. And depending on who's... Look, he, Vivek is right. We've got stuff to worry about here in the United States. We have uh, wide open borders. Southern border. Hundreds of thousands of people have died from fentanyl overdoses during the years of Biden's presidency and his open border policies. You had a crisis and, in Hawaii. You had a crisis in East Palestine, Ohio, that, let's be honest, the Biden administration treats Ukraine with more empathy than actual states and locations here in our country. Um, On the subject of the debate, we were talking about the debates a little bit earlier. If you watched it, you'll remember that that song, Richmond, North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony, was played at the beginning. And then Martha McCallum and Brett Baer, they asked the candidates, why do you think this song is resonating? Well, 
the singer of that song, Oliver Anthony, went to YouTube and he's got some thoughts about his song being used at that debate. You know, like it was funny seeing my song in the it was fun. It was funny seeing it at the presidential debate because it's like I wrote that song about those people, you know, so for them to have to sit there and listen to that, uh, that cracks me up. Uh, but it was funny kind of seeing the response to it. Like that song has nothing to do with Joe Biden, you know. It's a lot bigger than Joe Biden. Um, that song's written about the people on the on that stage and a lot more too, not just them, but but definitely them. Hmm. Okay, interesting, but you know, I think you're looking a little too much into this. Nobody was saying that the people on the stage weren't Richmond, north of Richmond. The question posed by Martha and Brett was, why do you think this song resonates? I think he's getting a little too uh, over the top here. Lighten up, Francis. Uh, Real quick here, before we hit a break, I want to get to this, because it wasn't just Ramaswamy and Kilmeade that had a little candidate media feud. You had Nikki Haley and George Stephanopoulos. Now, Stephanopoulos is one of the great butt sniffers of all time. You can't tell where the DNC's rear end ends and his <laughs> nose begins. Total Clinton butt sniffer, for sure. Total. One of the great butt sniffers of all time. So, he had a little clash with Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley said that Joe Biden might not have the mental capacity to finish his term. And why would it be better to vote for a convicted felon than President Joe Biden? Well, you're assuming that he's convicted and you're assuming he's going to be the nominee, George, and I disagree with both of those. Based on that assumption, and you said you would vote for him. Well, first of all, a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris. You know that, and I know that. There is no way that Joe Biden's going to finish his term. I think Kamala Harris is going to be the next president, and that should send a chill up every American's spine. But I also think the fact that we have a primary. Excuse me, excuse me, one second, Ambassador. How do you know that Joe Biden's not going to finish his term? What is that based on? Ask Americans. Do you think he's going to finish his term? Do you think that he's actually going to finish what he started? We look at the decline he's had over the last few years. You have to be honest with the American people, George. There's no way that Joe Biden's going to finish out a next term. We can't have an 81-year-old president. We have to have a new generational leader. Senate, The Senate has become the most privileged nursing home in the country. <laughs> it's a great line. It's a great line. I mean, even polling amongst Democrats say that they think his mental acuity has gone down and they don't want to see him uh, for another term. I love how taken aback old Snuffle oh. guess was. Like he, he couldn't believe that yeah. someone would suggest that Joe Biden might have lost his fastball a long time ago. The dude can't walk. He falls all the time. He says ridiculous things. What the hell are you doing, George? This, if you've been paying any attention, you will know this is our president. The best way to get something done, if you, if it holds near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, him, uh, foot, foot excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. 
and I love George. What are you talking about? There are no signs at all. You're making this up out of thin air. Again, one of the great butt sniffers of all time. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Ever and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You tell us if the story in question is really anything or not. Now, this story was something that was caught on a door camera. Now, the video is amazing. The audio we're going to play for you, amazing. One of two guys posing as apartment apartment maintenance men had been arrested in Dallas after the apartment owner shot at them through the door. So, I want you to take a listen here. This is what it sounds like as 30-year-old Aaron Contreras. By the way, they the guy behind the door, the homeowner, they were talking to him through a ring doorbell. And they're like, hey, we're here to change your air filters. And the guy's like, hey, I'm not home. Uh, you're going to have to do it later. And that's when they started kicking in his door, right? That's Listen, as 30-year-old Aaron Contreras claims he's there to check the filters, but Ethan Rodriguez lies and yeah. says that he's not home. So he was home, but he lied. And then the men begin trying to kick the door in, <laughs> and then you're going to hear the gunshot send these would-be burglars running off. Oh, yes, uh, they came to check your air filters. Um, I'm not sure this is for uh, 8277. Oh, uh, nobody's home right now. We'll have to wait until another day. Oh, much appreciated. Let me start kicking in his door. Uh, That'll they, do it. And I posted this. You scroll down at Hammer and Nigel on Twitter. Scroll down. It's pretty amazing footage. Those guys are lucky they both aren't dead. And I think if this were happen more often, then people that try to break into homes, people that try to carjack you, if this kind of thing were to be more prevalent, um, I think you'd see a lot of crimes disappear. But the problem is, people like Ryan Mears think that the bad guy was the one inside the house. How oh, yeah. dare you yeah. fire that gross, disgusting weapon through the door? Make no mistake, the gun grabbers don't think that the guy inside the house should be in possession of a firearm so he could protect himself. I don't care what kind of firearm it is, whether it's an AR, whether it's a pistol, whether it's a, a Glock, whatever. They think you should be those guys don't want, like, Moms Demand Action, all the gun grabbers, Beto, hell yes, we're going to come get your guns. They don't think you should be able to defend yourself at all. Because one of the worst mass shootings of all time in this country was used with a handgun. Virginia so you, think you think they're going to stop with, quote-unquote, assault rifles? Once they get that legislation passed, which I don't think they ever will, but once they're going to damn well try, you think they're not going to go for um, you know limited capacity magazines and things like that? They already have that law in some states. And if they can't get that ban 
the traditional way or the way that they want, they're going to do what we talked about with Guy Relford on Monday. They're going to make it so difficult for these businesses that sell guns. They're going to nickel and dime them. They're going to raise up costs. They're going to get them buried in paperwork and try to be a big pain in the rear end about it. Is this anything? Police are looking for the bird bandit. So a knife welding man held somebody up in Virginia. Dude had a knife, was robbing somebody in Virginia. He's easy to identify because he drives a Ford SUV. He wears a black hat and three parrots ride on the guy's hat and shoulder. (laughs) Like live live parrots? He's almost like a pirate. (laughs) Here's police talking about who they're now calling the bird bandits. This can't be real. It's hard to fathom that somebody would commit such a crime of that nature with three birds and wearing what they were wearing. Definitely a rare occurrence. That's the suspect recently caught on camera in the McDonald's drive-thru. The employee is clearly in amazement that a parrot is just hanging out on the driver's side window of the SUV. (laughs) Apparently, he likes to rev up the truck outside the McDonald's drive-thru as well as rob people with three parrots sitting on his hat. That is something for sure. The guy, I mean, let's be honest, he should probably be pretty easy to find. Right. right? The weirdo with the parrots. (laughs) Now, we um, actually have obtained exclusive footage of this robbery. Please, parents, if you have kids in the car, you might want to turn the volume down. This is pretty graphic. Hello? Ah! What you doing? Ah! Your money or your life? (laughs) Are you a pretty bird? Pretty bird! I will cut you. Oh. Bird. Daddy's wearing a hat. Pretty boy. Now that's a knife. Blue Ford SUV. Mickey D's bird bandit. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mike Pence used to sit in this chair. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. So this report on News Nation last night, Hammer, this reporter who is physically down at the border. I didn't I didn't see it. I've heard the audio. It's it, but, but it's pretty shocking, right? I mean, so this young lady named Allie Bradley, who's the reporter, she's walking along the quote border wall there in Arizona. Now, it used to have places where there were doors, but they were locked. You couldn't just open the door and walk in, right? That's the whole purpose of the wall. Well, now her reporting, and we're going to play you the audio here in just a moment, shows that those doors have been opened up, they're wide open, and it was the government that did it. The Tucson sector are seeing the most migrant apprehensions in a single day this week, making it the busiest sector. And it's in part because of this. The floodgates are literally open here in the Tucson sector. And there are 141 different gates along the southern border. And the majority of those are open. And the majority of those are open by the federal government. So we talk about how busy the Tucson sector is. And they do this every single year. So what's the problem? Well, the Tucson sector is known for gotaways, for people trying to evade law enforcement. So they're not generally coming through an open door. Well, now they are, and they're doing it by the hundreds. Just this morning, within a matter of hours, Border Patrol telling us it's nonstop. 250 migrants in just two and a half hours here in this sector. Again, a sector that doesn't deal with people coming over and self-surrendering to Border Patrol agents. But that is what's happening. 1,600 in a single day here. That's scary. So the gotaways, this is one 
ones that don't want to be known. They don't want to be processed officially. They don't want to go to court. They don't want to have a court date. They don't want to fill out some. App. They don't want to download some app. They don't want a legal pathway into the country. They don't want to be known because they are criminals and they are operating, um, uh, most likely human trafficking, uh, child trafficking, and drug trafficking. That is scary. And I'm watching this now. I'm watching it right now for the first time. I heard the audio earlier. <laughs> wide open. When you say doors, too, it's not like it's like a like a door to the bathroom. Right. These are giant 15-foot structures that are literally sitting wide open. And I, I don't understand it. I mean, I do. I mean, I understand the Democrats want as many Democrat voters in this country as possible, especially when they want a policy of not having to show your ID. It's... Wow. So think about all the Mexican cartel, MS-13 gang members that are coming from the southern border. They're not all from Mexico. There's a lot of folks coming over from China, a lot of drugs flowing over, all the fentanyl, and all they have to do is walk across. I mean, it's wide open. So when you see somebody on one of these talking head interviews on television, or the TV shows on Sunday morning, and they say, the border is not wide open. They are full of crap. The video's right there. You're watching I'm watching it, it right it's now. It's wide open. And per CBP sources, just two days ago, Border Patrol apprehended over 6,800 6, migrants who crossed the border illegally. Now, they were led by the Rio Grande Valley and Tucson, Arizona sectors. But again, these numbers don't include known gotaways, yep. ports of entry, or those paroled into the U.S. via CBP-1's app, which we've been told from our sources, it accepts everyone. You could go on that CBP-1 app and say, I am a cocaine and fentanyl dealer, and I want to slash everyone's throat. And it approves you. No, but this specific area right here, and they got a quote from the CBP, Border Patrol. Quote, when gates become damaged, they need to be secured open to prevent additional damage, which can prolong the gap in the infrastructure. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Whatever makes you sleep at night. (laughs) You're right. There's n- nobody there. They, According to this article from News Nation, agents no longer patrol within the, within the desert reservation that she was at. According to them, this decision is driven by multiple factors, with a significant one being a shortage of personnel. Now, wow, that on, is shocking. On the subject of the border here, since we're talking about it, did you see New York's Democrat governor, Kathy Hochul? Did you see this fantastic speech? So Hochul, again, super left, she's demanding that Joe Biden unilaterally give illegal immigrants in New York City, which is a sanctuary city, expedited work and financial support, including housing vouchers, schools, health care, and free legal services. I have sent a letter to President Biden formally requesting immediate executive action in four key areas. First, expedited work authorization so we can get these people out of shelters and into the jobs. Financial support for federal housing vouchers, schools, health care, legal services, case management, and shelter for us to provide to these asylum seekers. 
the use of more federal facilities to construct new temporary shelters, and reimbursement for the cost of our National Guard, which have been on the ground at these shelters throughout the state since last year. I pay taxes. I live here. Can a brother get free legal services over here? I'd love to have free legal services provided. I mean, I'm not in any trouble, but if I had free legal services, hot damn, maybe I'd go out and get into a little bit. One of the other things she said in that little spiel there that we didn't hear was that the one thing she pointed out was the federal government caused this problem. The federal government needs to give us the money to solve this problem. That was the one smart thing she said. All this other thing, like, yeah, they're planning on just keeping them in society, working them in. There's a plan to keep these people in for the rest. Asylum seekers, by the way. Did you notice that? Asylum seekers. Seeking a better life because of the, the crappy economy in your country is not a legitimate reason for seeking asylum. They sought asylum by walking through the wide open door that they saw out in Arizona. So here's what I've learned over the last couple of years. When the political left in this country latches on to a new word or phrase, they use the bejesus out of it. Insurrection, collusion, Bombshell. Bombshell reporting. A bombshell. This is a bombshell. In this bombshell. <laughs> bombshell. 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 Tonight's bombshell report. We gotta get back to that bombshell. The biggest bombshell. Buzzfeed's latest bombshell. Bombshell. When left-wing <laughs> media finds a buzzword, Boy. they use the crap out of it. Now, sometimes it's a word you don't hear a lot, like or you had never heard before, insurrection, collusion. Sometimes it's a common word, like cult, C-U-L-T. So okay. according to the left-leaning media in this country, which is about 90% of the media, they say Donald Trump supporters, you're in a cult. If you're somebody that doesn't believe that the vaccine should be mandatory, you're an anti-vaxxer. You're in a cult. And now John Kerry, old Franken Kerry, he was speaking (laughs) overseas. And if you don't think climate change is going to kill you by tomorrow, you're in a cult. Without facts or economics on their side, They flatly deny what is happening to our planet and what we must do to save it. They incite a movement against what they falsely label climate change fanaticism, as they conveniently forget that the dictionary definition of a cult is the dismissal of facts in devotion to a lie. And as soon as he was done with that speech, he got on his private plane and flew the hell home. (laughs) Right. The carbon footprint is so big as this city. Yeah, cult is the new one. Cult 45, you're in a cult. That's the new buzzword. (laughs) Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. When you hear that music, here come the Irish, baby. Notre Dame football returns tomorrow night. Oh, uh, it's in Dublin, right? In Dublin yeah. against Navy. It's what's known as week zero in college football. 
there's only a handful of games, but uh, I believe number 13 ranked Notre Dame. They're taking on Navy 230 tomorrow. I think USC is the other ranked team playing in what's known as week zero. It's not week one. It's week zero. But these games all count. Oh, yeah. It's not like some sort of Colts preseason, NFL preseason. All these games still count on their record, win or lose. No preseason garbage for college football. So, uh, yeah, we can... Crack a few cold ones tomorrow. Watch college football on TV. And if you're going to bet on college football, why not bet on a game that might not be the most watched game, but the payout pays the same? We call it the Degenerate Special. Oh, boy. It's time for Hammer's Degenerate Special. Again, Notre Dame and Navy... It's on television. Is that Everybody it? wants to uh, probably watch that, get college football going again. Okay. But Hawaii and Vanderbilt, the money you win <laughs> on this game spends the same as if you were to bet on Notre Dame. So Hawaii and Vanderbilt, last year, they played at Hawaii, and Vanderbilt beat them 63-10. to 10. I ain't seen a beating like that since somebody <laughs> stuck a banana in my pants and turned the monkey loose. And this year, <laughs> it's down in Music City. It's down in Nashville. Hawaii struggled against pass-heavy teams last year, and that's what Vanderbilt's going to try to do here. Last year, Hawaii, seventh worst defense in Division One, and they didn't really get a lot of help in terms of recruiting. Meanwhile, the Commodores, Vanderbilt, the Commodores, <laughs> they're returning 73% of their offensive production from last season. So, it's actually a little chatter. Vandy could make a run at a bowl game. So, the total points listed that Vanderbilt could score is 36 and a half. Smokey from Friday, is that enough? Wait, 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 wait a minute. What's this? <laughs> this ain't enough. That's not enough. We are going to go over, over the total points scored by Vanderbilt. Just Vanderbilt. Over 36 and a half. Call me Captain Over. Gentlemen, I'd like you to meet your captain. Captain Over. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome aboard. Captain, your navigator, Mr. Unger, and your first officer, Mr. Dunn. Unger? Over. Over. Done. <laughs> so this week's degenerate special, Vanderbilt. Over 36 and a half points scored. They're bringing back a lot of dudes. Hawaii stinks. And if they can basically do half of what they did last year on the road, <laughs> this year they're at home. Your toes are a tapping, and that is your degenerate special. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Last night, Donald Trump flew. Trump won. What does he call his plane? Does he have a name for his airplane? Like, I think his Air toilet Force. is Chair Force One. <laughs> okay. I don't know what the plane's called, but the can. <laughs> Chair Force One. It's Chair Force One. Former President Donald Trump flying into Atlanta, then a giant motorcade with Secret Service. Like, I mean, like 10 different Secret Service vehicles and an ambulance and like uh, 20 different motorcades. Motorcycles, this whole motorcade. It looked like Akeem arriving and coming to America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so he goes to this piece of garbage little 
rinky dink jail in Fulton County where they are charging him with, I mean, basically essentially charging him with challenging the results of the 2020 election. Right. Which is absolutely, totally ridiculous. Racketeering RICO charges. He had every right to question the results. He had every right to call down there to the Secretary of State and say, hey, look, I, I think there's some fraud going on down here. I need you to figure out what's going on and you see what you can find out here. Uh, so they, uh, so he's indicted along with like 17 other people. They took his mugshot, the first presidential mugshot in the history of the United States. Uh, former president, anyway. And I think the mugshot pretty much, I, I think it says it all. I mean, I think he's angry. I think he's maybe not angry, but I mean, I think he's done effing around. I don't think he's been effing around at all. I think this is like, this is his way of saying, I'm not effing around. It's time to fight now. It's time to fight. And I, while the Democrats have been waiting on this mugshot, I think he, I mean, he immediately put it to good use on his website as well. So now that the Democrats have what they want, all the never Trumpers, and there's some Republicans too, never Trump Absolutely. Republicans last night, dropped their britches, looked at that mugshot, did whatever they needed to do. What now? Now that you got your holy grail, where do you go from here? Do you talk about how awesome your candidate is, Joe Biden? I don't think you can do that. No. So now what is the question? And if you're somebody on the right that honestly was having a rough night last night because you think I was, I was bummed out. This country is heading down a dangerous path of a weaponized justice system that's not fair for all parties. If you're somebody that's upset about that, check out this tweet from Joel Pollack. Oh, he yeah. is a uh, writer for Breitbart. Quote, before, it felt like the mugshot would be the worst thing they could do, the lowest indignity. Now that they've done it, there's almost a sense of excitement, like they've taken their best shot and the guy is still standing. The fear is gone, replaced by the thrill of the fight. And I don't think he's necessarily, when he says fight, he's not talking about violence. It's like just, you know, right. fighting the system, fighting back, fighting about, fighting against this two-tiered uh, system of justice. And we're going to talk to Joel. We've had him on the program before. Incredibly intelligent guy. He, I think he used to be, I mean, he's got his law degree from Harvard. He, he started at Breitbart as legal counsel. He never left, like in 2011, never left and ended up writing columns for them. He's their senior editor at large. And he... Really? Yeah. Yeah. Last night I was like, man, this country is heading in a direction that I, I don't like. This is like a banana republic, third world Venezuela type crap. But that article that he wrote kind of changed my perspective on the whole thing. And we'll get more of his input a little bit after 530 live here on the Hammer and Nigel show. So I want to find out your thoughts on this, because still... When I drive around, whether I'm going to, you know, go get something to eat, whether I'm going to a store, you know, run some errands, I still see the now hiring signs all over the place. And it started like around COVID time, right? When COVID started to be on the back nine and businesses were trying to get people to come back to work. I don't know if it ever really picked up. Okay. Because Biden always talks about all these jobs he's created, but it doesn't look like anybody wants to take these jobs. You mean these jobs that have recovered? Right. 100%. So there's this survey from monster.com, the job people. 65% of job seekers consider jobs that 
require more than three rounds of interviews to be the biggest red flag of a bad work environment. So I'm reading a little bit more about this survey. Quote, requiring more than three rounds of interviews could indicate that the company is indecisive or disorganized and because of a company's hiring That's process reflects the culture. Um, I, I would say like if you're like a lower level job, like a you know fast food or, or just entry level retail, if they're interviewing you three different times, that might be sort of a red flag. I wouldn't even expect them to do that anyway. But a, a high level job, whether it's a sales executive or or you know being part of a, a, some sort of accounting firm or something like that, I would I don't know. I, I would think that was normal. I don't I, think having three interviews even for anything is something I should be offended about. Like I think we're overthinking. This and that's kind of why I brought this up the way well, that I did with all these now hiring signs up. I think the workforce during COVID they got so comfortable either working from home or feeling super entitled that a lot of people are so judgmental now that three interviews kiss my backside. I think that's a little extreme. Yeah, but it just again it just depends on the job. I would think if you and I, I don't know, got lured somewhere else and. And you know, another radio company was looking at us. They'd be talking to us several times. Right. Um, the same goes for like sales executive managers, stuff like that. Um, in terms of of seeing, you know, now I, I I always see the now hiring. I got my oil change this morning. I'll give you a perfect example. Yeah. Um, at the Valvoline there on Michigan Road in Carmel, uh, just right off right off Michigan Road, and then I came straight from there to you know got on 465 and came here. By the way, those guys are killer. I, they, we don't endorse for them or anything. I'm just I'd, I'd like to point out good service when I see it. Those sure. guys at that Valvoline, right next to Prime Car Wash there on Michigan Road, they did. I mean, I was in and out in 10 minutes. The guy knew what he was talking about. Love it. Um, but yeah, everybody saw, complains about bad service. I know. I, I, I love like to, to talk about I, good I, service. I love to talk about good service, and I've never had a bad experience at that Valvoline or the one in Whitestown. They both did excellent. But yes, I saw now hiring signs all over the place. And I asked the guy, because I have a younger relative of mine that's looking for a job, and I asked him if they were you know, you know, does Valvoline hire? And he goes, "Yeah, on the spot sometimes." <laughs> you know, right? So, um, kind of depends on that, how desperate that, they are. That that aspect of what we're talking about in this conversation, yes, really resonates. I see now hiring signs everywhere. Did you see this <laughs> this study that shows those like paper straws or bamboo drinking straws? Are actually more harmful to the planet <laughs> than plastic straws. Didn't they outlaw plastic straws in California? Yeah, and like when I go to the resort that we stay at in Florida, yeah, even though Florida. Florida's open and it's DeSantis, the resort chooses to use the paper I straws. I saw that those those bamboo straws contain what they call forever chemicals that can make them, uh, which. Inevitably, I, I guess that's a less than ideal alternative to plastic. Right. <laughs> when they have these kinds of chemicals in these paper straws that are worse for the environment than plastic. The researchers in this study sampled 39 brands of straws made from paper, 
bamboo, glass, stainless steel, and plastic. Of those, 27 were found to contain these chemicals. <laughs> and guess which ones they were? <laughs> the bamboo and the paper. Uh-huh. I thought I was, you know, I was called a Nazi if I, you know, celebrities, <laughs> celebrities and, and far left progressives look down on you for... Uh, the use of plastic straws Those and now it turns suck, out oh, they're awful yeah like if you don't just shotgun the drink it gets all wilted and crappy and it's just the worst and now we're finding out it's actually worse for you and worse <laughs> for the environment it's back life is full of things to manage your work your family your plans and your treatment consider kesimpta ofatumumab 20 milligram injection you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Baby, here it is. Tickets to a night with WIBC presented by Relay Indiana. It's all of us together. We're doing stuff on the stage individually, and then we all get up there together. We're talking about the issues. We're making jokes. We're having a good time. There's a big stage presence. It's a super fun night. Tickets go on sale this Tuesday. There's a little confusion about when tickets go on sale, but I'm telling you right now, tickets go on sale this Tuesday. And they will sell very quickly because it's at the Indiana Historical Society again. Yep. Back where we had the first couple. And if you want to go, get your tickets as soon as they go live this Tuesday. And thanks, as always, to our friends at Relay Indiana. And by the way... If you got paid today and you're thinking to yourself, what should I wear to a night with WIBC? <laughs> Check out the Hammer and Nigel yes. Show merchandise store, store.hammerandnigel.com. Don't put the WWWs in there. You just make it complicated. Store.hammerandnigel.com. Golf shirts, V-necks, T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and we've even got the Donald Trump mugshot T-shirt just added Check out our merch store, store.hammerandnigel.com. Are you really okay with this? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Tommy Lee is the uh, iconic drummer for Motley Crue. He was very disappointed in the number of women bearing their breasts at their show in El Paso last weekend. So he brought his wife, Brittany, on stage to flash the crowd. Here we go, Hammer, with this. I want to see some big old (laughs) (laughs) I know somebody who ain't scared. I'm going to bring my wife out here to show you her You guys ready for this? (laughs) There they are. Does that not get the party started? Let's go. (laughs) They're fake and they're spectacular. (laughs) Uh, Tommy Lee bringing out his wife to show the crowd her boobanis. Are you okay with this? So I have a question before I give you my answer to this. Was Tommy Lee upset at the lack of women showing their breasts or the quality of women showing (laughs) their breasts? I watched the video, and there was some question as to the quality, sure. (laughs) Uh, There is video of that out on Twitter if you want to find that. But uh, but 
his wife is my goodness i don't know what to say wow uh, okay so yeah but there was there was a lack of women doing it and the women that were doing it probably shouldn't have been doing it well in that case i think i'm okay with this because <laughs> i think if you're the kind of woman at this stage in life you know motley crew's getting pretty damn old well tommy lee's 60 years old right like it's so bizarre and i think this was a line in a bowling for soup song like motley crew is considered classic rock now sure yeah and if you're the kind of broad that goes to the motley crew concert and takes off her top there's probably a good chance nobody wants you to take <laughs> off your top so i kind of get it you know tommy it's... lee's gonna have to realize this isn't 1984 <laughs> anymore right this isn't you know right, like the right, heydays right. of kickstart my heart sure sure um, um and the fact that he is 60 years old it's something kind of I mean, come on. It is a Motley Crue show, sure. He wants to get the party started, as he said, but dude, you're 60. You're a little too old yeah. for that. And His wife's younger than he is, and she was spectacular. But I will say this. Yes. I like that a hell of a lot better than when Luke Bryan got his feelings hurt because somebody threw a bra on stage. <laughs> when you throw a bra at someone, can I, can I watch the face? No, no, uh, that's I aspire to be hit in the face with a bra. Right. That's my goal. Can you imagine Tommy Lee or you know the late, great Eddie Van Halen coming off a show and complaining, I can't believe they threw a bra at me. <gasps> I got hit in the face with panties. Ew. <laughs> right. Even Tom Jones, the late, great, you know, you know, uh, you know, all these guys, these classic crooners, they had britches thrown at them. Yeah. You never heard them complain. Luke Bryan. Alright, a Wisconsin Meat Company celebrating its 75th anniversary by making the world's longest meat stick. It's 314 feet long. Are you okay with the world's longest meat stick? Are we still talking about Tommy Lee? <laughs> like, it feels like this is a continuation uh, yeah. of the Tommy Lee story uh, that you just brought to me. Well, look, if you ever see the video with him and Pamela, you know. It's, right. Mean, Whatever you, they're doing in Wisconsin is going to be second place, if you've ever seen that video. Uh, yeah, like, if you told me what state is going to work on having the longest meat stick, <laughs> it's either going to be Texas or Wisconsin. Right? Um, and good for Wisconsin, because... Like, are we talking about Slim Jims? Like, the kind of thing? A meat stick? Yeah, that would count. Right. A Slim Jim counts okay. as a meat stick. Okay. And this one's 314 Whoa. feet long. Whoa. Listen, I've been to Wisconsin once. I went up there for a Brewers game uh, to watch the Cubs play. I think it was last year, actually. And I got to tip my hat to them, because the dudes there... They've just waved the white flag. They've given up. They are some beer-drinking, cheese-snorting, meat-eating, big, fat slobs. But the chicks seem to respond to them there, because it's their only option. They don't care about their blood draws from their annual physical, do they? Like no. you and I were discussing off the air. We they're were... not weighing in with Rob Kendall every Friday. Like, if they are, they're upset if they lose weight in Wisconsin. So, yes, I'm okay with I this. I was showing Hammer my numbers. Uh, I get a blood draw 
saw yesterday, my labs come back from my annual physical, and we were. Uh, that's how old. That's what guys do in their mid forties. Married guys, they compare. <laughs> they compare lab numbers. Good HDL, bad HDL, cholesterol, all that stuff. A, a, a poll found forty percent of us have dated a coworker before, and the employees most likely to have a workplace romance. People in HR, are you okay with this? Yes, I'm okay with this. As long as somebody is not losing out on a job because the person you're competing with is banging the boss. Other than that, I'm <laughs> fine with this. I hate these companies where they say, no office romance, no office love. Well, what if you, you know, like the person you work with? It sucks having to keep that a secret. Uh, you are probably the best person to answer this question. You go good with this, Nige? Well, yeah, I've done it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I'll defer to you. That's how I met my wife, and she happened to work in HR. She worked up in the corporate HR department when I was here in the early 2000s playing spinning tunes, spinning music on uh, Radio Now. Was it ever frowned upon that she was dating one of the talent? No, I, I, not many people really knew it, and then she left for a different job a few months after anyway, so it was no big deal. But I think I, yeah, Rob I Kendall married a former co-worker. That's right. He certainly did. Uh, got time for one more here? Yeah, let's do it. Young people are now taking themselves out on elaborate solo dates and calling the trend master dating. Oh, come on. One expert suggests sending what? flowers in the morning with a card that says, can't wait to see you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Are, are, who said that? An expert? One expert suggests sending flowers in the morning with a card that says, can't wait to see you tonight when you go out on your solo date. Who's is, this miserable bastard? Which is called master dating. Are you okay with this? No, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I want to talk about the expert, right? Yes. You can't tell me that the United States is not the greatest country in the world. Somebody has reached expert status <laughs> for telling you how to treat yourself. And came up with the term master dating, which, okay, that's kind of funny. But the day that I send flowers to myself and say, I can't wait to see you tonight, I want you to do me a favor. <laughs> I want you to throw me out on Monument Circle, okay. tie me down, and let the next couple cars just run over me, because I need to be dead. You got it. That's the dumbest thing that I've ever heard. If you want to treat your body like an amusement park, go ahead. Have a special <laughs> night. But you don't need to like have a day for that. You don't need to send yourself flowers for that. That's the beauty of treating yourself like an amusement park. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. It has been a crazy news cycle the past three days. You had the uh, debates on Wednesday. You had the Trump mugshot yesterday. Couldn't think of a better guest to have on to talk about it all. Breitbart News Senior Editor-at-Large, Joel Pollack, on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Welcome back to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Joel. How are you? I am 
doing great in the San Francisco Bay Area today. Oh. Going all over the country this week. I've had an amazing week. Well, look, I, I don't know about you. I, I was I was transfixed. I, I couldn't take my eyes off the news last night to TV, the clown show that was uh, several, uh, this huge giant Secret Service motorcade escorting our former president to a rinky-dink county jail in Georgia uh, over what seems to be Trump challenging the 2020 election. Mugshot and all. The Democrats got what they wanted last night. I think Trump is using it to his advantage, too. What did you see from your angle last night? Well, let me give you my analysis of the mugshot, and then I will add something about watching the spectacle. So the mugshot, as you point out, was something that Democrats wanted to get because they wanted to see Trump in jail or in custody. They wanted to humiliate him. They wanted to scare his supporters, and not just because of what he is alleged to have done in 2020, but because he had the temerity to win the election in 2016. Mm. This is the moment they had been waiting for. On the right, it was a moment that many of us dreaded, not only because of the humiliation of a president that many of us supported, but also because of the degradation of the office of the presidency, because even a former president has a special status, and because of what it means for our democracy. Are we becoming a third world banana republic where the party in power prosecutes and jails the opposition party, the leading opposition candidate? So many of us felt this was going to be a terrible moment. And then the mugshot came out, and I wrote about this in my column at Breitbart this week, but if you look at his expression, he's not sad, he's not even angry. The expression on his face goes right back to how he would look on The Apprentice when he would fire somebody. That's the you're fired face. So what you're looking at there is not a man in custody. What you're looking at there is a man who's in charge. And the people taking the photograph don't know it yet. But what that photograph does is it liberates him if he does win the presidency to completely destroy all of the institutions and all of the people who have done this to him and to our country. It gives him a sweeping mandate for change, to break up the Department of Justice, to move it to other states, to have a special prosecution of the people who carried out the Russia collusion hoax, which is is the origin of all this, to make laws that changed the way our country functions in a way that actually works rather than the way it's working now. And there need be no compromise. He doesn't have to compromise with anybody ever again. That moment where some of us wished we could all come together and get over the political divisions, that's gone. Buckshot says the only way we're going to get back to reconciliation is through the complete defeat of the people who did this. And so, in a way, it liberates Trump. And so when I saw that mugshot, I actually felt liberated. I felt a little bit excited about it. It has nothing to do with winning the next election. It has nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the the sense that they had taken their best shot, that the thing many of us feared the most, not just for Trump or the Republican Party, but for the country, the thing we had feared the most had come to pass and we were still standing. And it gives the opposition an incredible opportunity, even if it's not in this election. In the long run, the people who did this will be held accountable. And it's not even a question of whether they'll be held accountable. The feeling I had was, oh, yeah. 
I'm going to do whatever I can do. And even at some considerable risk, I think people are willing to lose the next election, to be embarrassed, to risk professional opportunities, to risk money that they don't need to candidates or campaigns or whatever it is. But I think there's a determination that's set in. And so I think the left didn't enjoy this moment once it finally came, because I think the thing they fear now and what they ought to fear is what Trump will do if and when he gets back into office and what his supporters will do regardless of whether he wins the next election, not because it's going to be violent or disruptive, but because once that day comes, there will be no quarter asked and none given. So it was a liberating moment in that sense. One thing I want to add just about watching the spectacle. Yeah. Like you, I was I was following the news, waiting to hear about when this would happen and when the mugshot would be released. And then I went out and I went to a rock and roll concert. And I had planned this rock and roll concert. I went to see Weezer at Berkeley, of all places, with cool. my daughter. And yeah, it was a great show. And I'd been planning to go for months. And I actually wrote my column while I was sitting there. I had to scrap the one I'd already written because I felt so differently after that mugshot that I wrote the column on my phone while I was waiting for the show to start. And the thing is this, you can't let them take away your fun. The people who are doing this to our country are miserable people, and they want the rest of us to be miserable. They want us to feel like our country is bad, like our nation has a history we have to be ashamed of, like our Constitution is born in original sin, that it needs to be overthrown or fundamentally transformed. We are happy. We're happy because freedom makes us happy, and you can't actually take that away from us. You can even take it away physically. You can force someone like Trump to stand for a mugshot or whatever. But as long as we are determined to have fun, they cannot win because our vision of the world, our idea of what we want to do is positive. It's fun. We're not about hurting other people. We're about knocking down obstacles so that everybody can live the best life they can. That's what this country is all about. They are about limiting. They are about closing off. They are about misery and spreading misery. And so I think within the boundaries of whatever you can afford and whatever responsibilities you have, you owe it to yourself to be happy. Absolutely. Because this is, this is the best moment that the bad guys are going to have. This is their peak. You know, Mark Hamill, the guy who played Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars movies, mm -hmm. he was tweeting about how happy he was that Trump had this mugshot. And I tweeted back at him, you don't get it. This is the end of The Empire Strikes Back. This is the last scene, <laughs> yep. you know, where, where Luke has to have his hand replaced because he lost to Darth Vader in the lightsaber fight. There's a sequel coming. Yeah. Right. And the side you're on, Mark Hamill, doesn't win. So this is the beginning of the comeback for America, not just for Trump. The beginning of the comeback is that mugshot. That's how I see it. Joel, Jason Hammer here. So one of the criticisms I, that I think Donald Trump got when he was the president was he talked about draining the swamp, but he didn't do a good enough job of it. Do you think this whole process from Russian collusion, the PP tapes, uh, the mug shots, the indictments, do you think if he gets another opportunity, he really understands that draining the swamp means you've got to fire everybody and it's got to be day one from attorney generals to heads of the FBI to everybody that you can see that has had a hand in what's going on now. Do you think this has been a learning experience for Donald Trump? I think you can see 
that in his face in the mugshot. Yeah. As I said before, that's the you're fired face. And my first tweet when I saw that mugshot was, you're fired, in quotes, quoting Donald Trump. But I added, everyone, you're all fired. He's going to come in and he's going to make that sweeping change. The problem he had in his first term was that there were so few people that were loyal to him because so many of the establishment Republicans said publicly they could never work for him. So he came in with a small crew, and they did what they could, and they faced the collective combined resistance, literally that's what they call themselves, of not just the Democratic Party and the media and the civil service and the rest of it, but also significant portions of the Republican Party, which didn't want to repeal Obamacare, which didn't want to do the other things he needed to do to fund the border wall and so forth. This time, it doesn't actually matter how big or small his team is, because what the Democrats have done is they haven't just put Trump on trial. They've indicted 18 other co-defendants in Georgia, and when those 19 people have to show up and take mugshots, it's actually the entire American people, at least all of those Americans who support the president, they're in the dock with him. So they've actually created the army that Trump didn't have when he first came to the White House. And I think that there are going to be a lot of people, whether they're part of the Trump campaign or not, whether he appoints them to something or not, I think there are a lot of people now who understand the task that needs to be accomplished. And it's not, again, just about the Department of Justice or firing this person or even breaking up that department or whatever. Look at what's happening in New York. You've got the Democrat governor of New York blaming the federal government, i.e. Joe Biden, for the border crisis. There are going to be people who are going to wake up. I'm not saying she's a supporter of Trump, but there are going to be people who wake up and understand the things that need to be done to save this country. And many of those are the things they resisted doing when Trump tried them the first time. But I think now there really is going to be a quiet, silent, maybe not so silent, army that helps Trump achieve these changes. So the, the swamp is going to be drained. Now, does that mean he's going to win? He may not win. There are, of course, a lot of obstacles, and we have a long way to go. There could be some surprises. We might see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. perhaps taking out Joe Biden. Anything is possible. We have a long way to go. But this moment creates the mandate for the kind of sweeping change that Trump talked about but couldn't persuade enough people to help him with, and I think it's going to happen next time, or at least it will happen to a greater extent than before. Breitbart, he's senior editor-at-large, Joe Pollack. I know you can't probably do this in 60 seconds or less, but I just want to pivot real quick to the debate. Uh, Byron Donalds, representative out of Florida, said this. Donald Trump won the debate in absentia. Do you think that statement's accurate? I think it is accurate because, as he also pointed out, there was no candidate who showed they could replace the leadership of Donald Trump. When we talk about who won the debate or who did well, who did poorly, we're measuring them relative to each other, but we're not measuring them relative to what Republican voters want. And there's nobody on that stage who came out as the strong kind of leader that Donald Trump has been. Like him or not, like his policies or not, however you feel about January 6th, whatever, he still is the leader that needs to be beaten if you're going to replace him as a primary rival. And there were some candidates who showed that they could do pretty well, but on their own strength, they failed to show that they would be a substitute, replacement rival, or whatever. Your analysis of uh, yesterday in Trump's mugshot blew me away, Joel. Great stuff. Uh, That's Joel Pollack, Breitbart Senior Editor at Large. Uh, We'll talk to you soon, Joel. You're welcome back anytime. All right. Have a great weekend. 
And now, Amber and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Uh, Beer Sample Fry I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down and get, get you some. some. Uh, brought to you by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Getting ready to get a new mattress and some more uh, outdoor furniture from those guys here not too long ago. That's the place to do it, man. I know, man. Um, went a little long with Breitbart uh, uh, columnist Joel Pollack. I think what he had to say about his interpretation of what we saw yesterday with the Trump mugshot and the indictment and the arrest, uh, if you were somebody that was despondent about that, if you were somebody that was sad or depressed about that, go back and listen to that interview we just did with Joel Pollack and you will change your tune, I promise. All right, here, Hammer. Um, here we go. This, what do we got there? There's the beer. Oh, look at this. A little English pale ale from Creek Bottom Brewery. Oh, yeah. This is called Craftsman. Craftsman. Old, look at this beauty. Oldenburg, Indiana. I think that's on the way to Cincinnati. Um, mind if I crack it open here? Get the weekend rolling. There, there it is. Go. This, if I'm not mistaken, this brewery, um, is in the same building as the police station. <laughs> Which, I, that would be awesome if I was an officer. I'm off duty. Right, you right. Head right. But you better not get too carried away because <laughs> guess what's in the same building? <laughs> so, uh, from Creek Bottom Brewery, this is Craftsman at English Pale Ale. Cheers, Cheers to, you to the guys. weekend. Mm. Here we go. Oh, that's really good. Beautiful. That is smooth right there. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.